0: Amen. Seated. We're going to be coming out of 1 John 4. As I've been reading through uh, the epistles of John, what we've gone through, where we're going, and the gospel of John I've focused a lot on, I I hear him talk a lot about love. And uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes as we become Uh, more religious and especially in the conservative churches sometimes we tend to put off love for conservatism or for religion or for preferences. And so John as he's going through this he's really talking about what Christian love looks like and and we're going to be talking about that today or in the upcoming days we've talked about it. Uh, Today we're going to talk about uh, false teachers, false prophets. How do we recognize those things as we present these things? Because one of the things that God has has commanded us with love is that we do it in truth. We need to love in truth and we need to respond in truth and we need to uh, apply our love in truth. And so as we read and as you've read through uh, chapter 4, the first six verses today, we come across a few different things. And Um, one of the things is that we need to learn to test the spirits. And so many times in our life uh, as Christians we we get saved and we probably assume that every spiritual experience or every uh, demonstration of of spiritual power is from God. And that's not necessarily true. We need to uh, understand that Satan is a great deceiver, right? And we talked several weeks ago about when Satan comes, he's not coming as a man in a little red suit with a pitchfork tail and and horns on his head, he's going to come as what? An angel of light. He's going to come looking good, sounding good, presenting good. He's going to be a charismatic person. We know this time is coming in the end times where he's going to be a political religious leader. He's going to be one that, that draws the crowds to him. Now, sometimes as believers, we sort of take uh, pride, and pride is always wrong, but we take pride in... in uh, being different than everybody else. But God has called us as his his followers to be a strange and peculiar people. He tells us that we're not to uh, be as the world. In the world, a lot of times today, we want to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world. Uh, God calls us to be different. And Satan has whispered the lie in our ears that says in order to be effective or in order to win the world to us, we need to be like them. Well, the Bible tells us something different. The Bible tells us, that people are drawn to Christ by us being different, and they're not even drawn to Christ by me being different. They're being drawn to, by to Christ by them seeing Christ in me. And so, I really don't want to be seen. I really don't want to uh, be the reflection. I want to have Christ coming through me. And so, how do we how do we discern these uh, spiritual experiences? How do we test these spiritual experiences uh, in our life? How do we Know if they are, in fact, uh, from God. We need to look at that. How do we know that they're truly from God? And so God gives us his Holy Spirit. We were told when we are born again, God has given us everything that we need. But he's given us discernment through his Holy Spirit. That needs to be honed sometimes. That needs to be uh, exercised, I will say, in our life. And so just to give you a warning, in the next few weeks I may ask you every now and then, uh, if you have your Bible with you today, raise it. and And I'll ask you to raise that. You might say, well, you know, some people may raise their phone because they use their phone. Uh, I want to talk about a Bible like this, you know, a a regular Bible, because this is what we need. This is where we make notes. This is how we deal with things in our life. We can make little questions in there. We can highlight things that make a difference to us. Um, You know, through I I can go through my Bible and I can see when different people have spoken at different times because... If I'm sitting out there and somebody makes a comment or if I'm listening to a preacher, I usually write their name down, the date that they spoke. I may not remember the whole sermon that they gave, but I know that they did that. And as I go through, I highlight things that are are significant to me. And so I may ask in the next few weeks, raise raise your Bible. You may say, well, your version is different than than, uh, my version. Well, that's okay. I mean, different versions are okay. You can still get the general jest. You can still write down questions or things in there. It's important. You say, well, why why all of a sudden this push? Well, it's not all of a sudden. I just haven't really uh, prompted people to use this. But one of the things when we talk about uh, recognizing false teachers is that we need to base that against God's word. So God's word is our foundation for everything. When we talk about spiritual experiences, spiritual phenomena, when we talk about Um, uh, any type of uh, spiritual encounter, it's always going to coincide with God's word or we know that it's wrong. Some people say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this or that. And I'll say, well, is it in agreement with God's word? Because the Holy Spirit is never going to be contrary to God's word. So God's word is very important. It's the very basis of, of everything that we do. Every truth that we believe, every problem that we face, God's word has that solution to it. And so in the world, we have the Antichrist and little Antichrists that are around. They're influencing us. They're trying to deceive us. And as we're going to read here in a moment, uh, they want to sort of pepper the truth with a little bit of deception. Okay, And that's how a lot of cults get going. We can look at David Koresh. We can look at the Jonestown uh, debacles. The guy from Jonestown, actually, when he was 12 years old, He was considered a prodigal Baptist preacher at 12 years old. He'd stand on the street corners preaching the word of God. And when I say preaching the word of God, he was preaching the true word of God. He was coming out of the Bible. But as he got older, the world's influences, demonic forces, whatever we want to say, he began to believe a lie rather than the truth. And he got sort of wrapped up in his own power and his own control and different things. And so he was led astray. Some of you sit here today and you say, well, I'm, I'm a strong, well-grounded, deep-rooted Christian. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I could never be led astray. The Bible tells us, be careful lest you fall. Satan has been doing what Satan has been doing <coughs> for eons. His whole goal is to distract us. His whole goal is to lead us astray. Because Satan doesn't care if you pray to Jesus and worship Jesus sing about Jesus as long as it's not the real Jesus. And there's a lot of fake Jesuses in the world today. A lot of religions promote a fake Jesus. And so when we need this discernment we need to look at these things and the very things it says do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets or teachers have gone out into the world. You don't need to look far. You can turn on the television set, and you can see all sorts of, of false teachers. Sometimes they sound good. Sometimes they look good. They, they give a little something that seems to draw us. But if you really get to the doctrine of, of what they're teaching, it's false. So you can look at prosperity gospel. You can look at um, things like the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, the Mormons, Latter-day Saints, uh, Islam. you know they all talk about Jesus? Islam will tell you they believe in Jesus. They believe in Jesus as a man, just not as God. The problem in Paul's day was, is they believed in Jesus as a God, but they didn't believe that he came in the flesh. They had Gnosticism uh, is what they called it back then, that was influencing the church, saying, well, God cannot become man, because if he became man, man is impure, and God cannot be impure. They don't care that the Bible talked about being born of a virgin, right? That the Holy Spirit was the one that conceived Mary. They don't look at those miracles of things. Sometimes today we will talk about uh, things about, you know, praising Jesus as God, which is wonderful. We need to do that, but we also need to praise that Jesus was man because that is also very important to our salvation. When we talk about the love of God and we talk about how God showed his love because That's what agape love is. That's showing the, the love. Love is an action word. It means that we are showing that to one another. So when I have Christ in me, and agape love, by the way, can only come to a believer in Christ. You can't manufacture that. The world can't manufacture it. Love, agape love, is something that God gives us at a point of salvation. And when we're saved, all of a sudden we find ourselves able to love the unlovable, to love those that sort of drain us, to love those that are maybe difficult, to love those that are not deserving, which really is a reflection of all of us, because when we come to Christ, there was nothing redeemable in us, there was nothing lovable in us, there was nothing great in us, right? But God loved us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. When we have Christ loving us, we can look at people who have done us wrong and we are able to forgive them. And I have a lot of people that say, you know what? I've forgiven them. My question always is, how come every time we talk about it, it's brought up again? Have we really forgiven them? Because when we forgive and when we have those things in our life, they are shown and they are acted and they have changed us from the inside out. And so Many people, when they first come to Christ, they're sort of amazed with the spirits of change that may happen in their life or the things that are going on. And a lot of times, it's easy to be deceived. The way that we strengthen ourselves from not being deceived is to spend time in the Word of God. And it's important. You may say, you know what, I read the Bible, but I really don't understand what I'm reading sometimes. You know, we are so blessed in this world today to have an abundance of translators, an abundance of commentators, an abundance of of good biblical teachers that can explain all these things. We have Bible studies that we are able to go to. As broken and as as, uh, sometimes uh, bad as this world seems, the Word of God is still alive and active. There's not a person here that doesn't have access to a Bible. And if you need a Bible, let us know. We will get you a Bible. You want to study Bible? We will get you a Bible. It's that important. But we have this, through this broken, fallen world that is drifting so far from God, everyone still has the ability. God has preserved His Word that we can read it, that we can apply it, and that we can use it. So how do we know when false prophets speak? It says, by this you know the Spirit of God Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So might say, well, is it just, well, if I just confess that Jesus came in the flesh, does that mean I'm right? Again, Islam believes that Jesus came in the flesh. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus came in the flesh. There's a lot of religions that believe Jesus came in the flesh. They believe in the man but they don't believe in the God. That was Paul's or John's problem at the time is that they were saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. That's why he was emphasizing this. Because their problem wasn't believing that Jesus is God, but that Jesus is man. And so when you look at religions, when you look at faith, when you look at doctrines, when you look at things that churches and others believe, You can ask yourself those questions. Do they believe that Jesus was fully man and yet fully God? That's one of our statements of faith in our Constitution. That's one of the biblical principles that we need to hold dear to. Because both are important to our deity. And it wasn't just the love of Christ going to the cross and giving of his life that proved the love. But it was also the love of the Father who is in heaven who gave his son. There's two parts to that story that we need to understand. That as part of the Trinity, Father the Son, Father, uh, or God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, So God the Father says, we're going to send God the Son. I'm going to give you my Son, knowing that the world is going to reject him and ultimately put him to death. That was an act of love. So if you've been a parent, just think what that would be to really say, I'm going to give my Son knowing that he's going to be sacrificed. Then there was the love of Jesus, who is the second, you know, God the Son. Fully man, fully God. Had the power, had the ability. He could have, I guess in in theory, not gone to the cross. But he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He showed his love by going through to Calvary. So we see this love that is given. And so it's important that we teach both those things because they link in very uniquely to the love of God. And so it tells us, uh, again, as we go on into four, uh, that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What have we overcome as believers? Well, cathedrals used to sing a song, I've read the back of the book, and we win. Okay? Based on the Bible. You go back and you read Revelation and it talks about the believer uh, is victorious. The believer is going to go home to Christ. So no matter what you're going through in this world, no matter how dark that tunnel seems, and I know some of you are going through some difficult times. I know that there's some trials in your life, and sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know how much longer I can take this or go through this or sustain this in my life. We know that we are overcomers, that those who have Christ in their life are going to be victorious. And no matter how dark that tunnel gets, we know that there's a light at the other side. No matter how dry that desert gets, we know that God has an oasis for us. No matter how steep that mountain seems as we're climbing, that if we are in Christ, he gives us the strength to overcome. And so he tells us, "You are." he says, you are of God, little children. Again, he has grafted us in, right? We have been grafted in and we are to produce fruit the major of which is, is love and the result of that love it tells us is obedience but it says you have overcome them well who's them it's the world it's the trials it's the things of this world that the Bible will contradict in a minute he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world that's a promise for the believer John is saying guess what The Holy Spirit that is in you is stronger than that which is in the world. So when you say, I don't know if I can take another moment, another day, another second of this, God knows what you need. Have you ever been in a crisis or really going through a a difficult time and, and pride usually keeps us from reaching out to others, but we're going through a struggle in our life. And all of a sudden you get that phone call from a friend. Hey, I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you. How are things going? And you're able to just talk with that person. It's just like, thank you, Lord. I, I just needed to be able to let that out. Or all of a sudden a little reprieve comes in your life and, and you get a little vacation or a blessing just enters into your life and, and you're able to see that God knew. God knew what you needed when you needed. And God still knows what you need when you need it. You may be going through something, God knows. And I, I want to tell you that God knows and, and he will be there. He's always there. But he will be there when you think that all hope is gone and he will give you that sustaining power because he who is was in you is greater than he who is was in the world. There's nothing in this world that can overtake us that God cannot be victorious in in our life. And so we need to understand that. It says they are of this world. Well, who's they? It's the unbelievers. It's the Antichrist. They are of this world, it says. Therefore, they speak as the world and the world hears them. So they're of the world. You know, the, the unsaved have a way about them. They talk certain ways, act certain ways. They have certain values, certain, certain moral things that they all say is okay. But we understand it to be contrary to God's word. And so they speak those things. You know, nothing probably bothers me more than, than hearing Christians talk in ways that are unglorifying to God. And sometimes it can be the words. I mean, just if they're swearing or if they're belligerent in in their talk, sometimes it can just be hurtful words. It can be just saying things hurtful. It can be gossiping. It can be those things. That's the way of the world. That's what the world does. And so it it says, you are of God, but it says they are of the world. It says those two shouldn't be mimicking one another. We should stop as Christians trying to be so much like the world and start just trying to be more like Christ. We need to get a vision of who Christ is. And we can find that in the Gospels. I think the Gospel messages are are the best. But really the whole Bible does it. You get into the Old Testament, it gives a forevision of what the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Christ is going to be like. You get into the Gospels and you get to actually see Jesus. You get to actually hear Jesus. You see his the words that he spoke, you get to see how he interacted with people. And then after he had died and rose again, then we have the epistles that are written about Jesus and about how we should carry these things out in church. And so as we look at these things, we can really get a good picture of how Jesus is and how we should be. Again, Peter tells us what? He has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Okay, Not the steps of the world, not to be like the world, not to be of the world. Romans tells us we are in the world, but not of the world. It doesn't mean that we shun ourselves and and remove ourselves from the world. No, we are in the world. We need to be in the world. That's where our light shines brightest is in the darkness. But we're not of the world. We are children of God, not children of this world. And so it says they are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them. As you share the gospel message, as you share the change that has happened in your life, as you share the things that God is doing, the world really doesn't want to hear it. Have you ever under understood that? Have you ever experienced that? You try to share something about God with your neighbors or with your friends or somebody in your club, they don't want to hear that. Because it's an affront to what the world values. It's an affront to what the world says. And as believers, God is calling us to walk a narrow path. And as believers here today, I'll tell you, that is a difficult task. You know, if being a Christian was easy, if it just meant saying a prayer and going on with life and it was like a, a field of, of daisies, everybody would do that. A lot of people want to profess that, but it's not that. God says we need to deny ourselves. God says that we need to walk the narrow path. That means the things of the world sometimes we need to say no to. When the world tries to conform us to their image, we say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be obedient to Christ and his word and what he has for us. And so it says that the world hears them, but it doesn't hear us. As Christians, we need to understand that that our testimony, that our uh, message that we are proclaiming is not going to be well received. Sometimes Christians get so shocked because it's like well I'm just trying to share the gospel about Jesus. Man they got all up in themselves and they got all mad and, and now they won't even talk with me and, and we're surprised by that. Jesus says don't be surprised if they hate you. They hated him first. And it's not really that they hate you but if they hate the message that you're presenting they hate the, the contrary lifestyle that God is calling them to. And God has called us to that lifestyle. He has called us to walk close to him, to forsake some of these things. But he has told us as we do this, we need to continue to reach out and love. So those that are angry with us, those that don't want to hear us, we still love them, we still continue to uh, try, we still pursue them in what they are doing. Because he who is in us is greater than he was in the world. That's the love of God. The love of God doesn't say, well, you know what? They hurt my feelings. Guess what? We've hurt God's feelings. Wow, well, they don't deserve it. Well, we didn't deserve it either. But God forgave us and he's given us this love in our lives. So a person might confess Jesus has come in the flesh, but they might also deny that he is God. And we need to stand contrary also to those beliefs, and we need to present the Jesus of the Bible. You know, like I said, Satan doesn't care if we pray to Jesus, worship Jesus, talk about Jesus, as long as it's a false Jesus. We need to present the the true Jesus. And so you need to get in your word. You need to get in the Bible. You need to see what does the Bible say, not what do I want the Bible to say, but what does the Bible say? And that's the truth that we need to present. Verse 6, says we are of God. So first he says you are of God in verse 4, little children. Now he says we are of God, and he who knows God hears us. Now that's not just talking about the pastor or the, the Bible study leader. That's talking about he who presents the biblical truth. Because it's God's word that gets in and convicts. It is God's word that gets in and draws. It's not my words. You know, you can have fancy talkers, fast talkers, all these things. But it's the word of God where there's power. It's the word of God where there's salvation. So it says, we're of God and he who knows God hears us. So that really means as believers, as a family of God, as we come together, as we're accountable to one another. Because we don't like to be accountable to one another, right? We like to hide our sins, box them up, pretend like they didn't happen, and we like to go on... Proverbs 27 I, used to, well, I still got the friend and sometimes he still calls but I used to just get this message every now and then from him and he would say as iron sharpens iron then he'd say let's get together and I always knew that there was something in my life that probably wasn't where it needed to be as a Christian, as a professing Christian that he wanted to talk about sometimes he just wanted to get together and well, let's talk about things you know but anyways, the saying is as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man's countenance sharpens another friend's. See, as believers, we're here to, to hone the edges on one another. We're here to, to challenge one another. Not to say I'm greater and you're lesser as you're struggling through something or that you're greater and I'm lesser as I'm struggling through something. But it's to come together and say, you know what? I want to draw closer to Christ. I want you to draw closer to Christ And the way that you're speaking, the things that you're doing, are not conducive to that relationship with Christ. The way that you are living and the things that you are doing and the way that you are speaking is not bringing glory to God. And so when we have people, and that's usually what Billy was talking to about me, he'd come to me and say, Hey, you know, you got this attitude. I remember having an attitude of competitiveness. I'd get way too competitive about things. and I wanted my competitiveness to overflow into other people's competitiveness. I'll give you one example as we close. We used to be on a volleyball team way before my pastor days. I was just a young Christian, but I was competitive. I always wanted to win at everything that I did. As a matter of fact, when Julie and I got married, we'd play cards sometimes at night, and, and if she won, we had to play another game because we weren't going to bed until I won a game. And it was just the way I was. I just had this competitiveness in us. Well, that flowed into everything in my life. I was competitive at work. I was competitive in life. Always needed to have the best. Always needed to, to, to be the best or strive to be the best. But we had this volleyball team. And and I wanted everybody to try as hard as what I was trying. Or at least, uh, you know, and you can't really judge what people are doing. But I'd get on people. They it didn't look like they had effort. And I'd be like sometimes those crazy coaches on the sideline. Like, what are you doing? You got to try harder. Dive down. Finally, my friend comes up and says, you know what? He says, Your attitude is not Christ like. He says, There's nothing wrong with winning, but we got to have fun and we got to have a testimony out here. Well, I knew what to do. I got mad and I quit the team. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play anymore. And so that's what I did. I quit the team. And, anyways, I was home for a few weeks. But, you know, the Lord started working in me and really convicting me of that. And, you know, I, I remember going to prayer and just saying, Lord, if, if my competitiveness is being a bad reflection on me as a Christian, take it away from me. I don't want it anymore. And you know what? He delivered me from that. Now, I'm not going to say that he delivers everybody from everything that they go to. Sometimes we need to struggle through that with the flesh. And it's not like I still don't like to win things. I still try to win. But I'm certainly not obsessed with it anymore. Because I found out that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And I want Christ to shine through me, not me to shine through me. And so as we do that, we need to think of those very same things. We are God. He who knows us, hears us. We speak the truth, the word of God. Many times, you know, if we're talking about things, and I tell people, if I say, well, you know what I think, I tell unless it's about fishing or something, I tell them, no, just I don't want to know what you think, I want to know what the Bible says. So many times when I'm Dealing with people and issues and things in their life, I ask the question, well, what does the Bible say about that? When I'm going through struggles, when I'm going through dark times, and I got feelings and I got emotions and I got thoughts about how things should be, many times I go back and I just need to say, but what does God's Word say? That is my root, that's my anchor, that's where, where all my tie lines go back to. And so I go back and I'll see what God's Word says. When we are doing that, other believers hear. That's where the truth gets promoted. We're not speaking somebody else's truth. We're speaking the word of God and what the word of God says. And they hear us. He who is not of God, it says, does not hear us. When you share the word of God with people, they say that's foolishness. They'll say that that's a crutch for the weak. They don't believe in the power and the strength of that. But it says by this, By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By the word of God. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'll get you one. You need to spend time in the Bible. Don't use your phone as an excuse. I use my phone sometimes as a Bible, but I spend time in my Bible. I spend time reading my Bible. The the paper version. I mean, I use my phone when I'm on the road or different things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. We have such a a plethora of of, of abilities to get the word of God, it's great. But you need your Bible that you can find yourself at home with. You know, I mean, this is like my friend. I mean, I have it with me, or one of them, I have several Bibles, but I have it with me and I I know where to find things and I got things marked and they mean things to me. It's like a, a relationship, really. You know, when you were first meeting your your loved one, you wanted to know everything about her, didn't you? You wanted to know what her favorite color was, her favorite food, her favorite flower, the things that made her smile. You know, you wanted to know all these special things about that special person. Even as you make friends, I mean, you want to know things about your friends. And Jesus is the same way. If we love him, we want to know more about him. The only place you're going to know more about him in a personal way, is through the Word of God. I can tell you about Jesus, but that's like a third-party introduction. Sometimes that happens in life, you know. We can say something somebody like, Pat meet Dale, Dale meet Pat. It's a third party. I can tell Pat all about Dale, I can tell Dale all about Pat, but until they start talking to one another, they really don't know each other other than what I've said. And so I can tell you about Jesus, your Bible study person can tell you about Jesus, you can read commentaries, about Jesus until you're old and gray but until you get in the word of God and read it for yourself with the Holy Spirit speak to your heart you're really never going to know Jesus because he says this about his word my word is alive and active it's able to cut even into our, our very soul and being it speaks to us in a way that no other book in history ever has or ever will There's books in this Bible that I've read hundreds if not thousands of times and I can read it again and it says something a little different. It speaks to me in a different way because God has a new message in that. Do you have that in your life? Do you know Jesus in that personal way? You need to know him. That's how we tell the spirit of false teachers. Is it based upon the word of God? Is everything they say in context and as a whole it's easy to, to, I call it shotgunning verses. You know, we pull this verse out and papoom, and we pull this verse out and papoom. but it's a verse here and a verse there and a verse here and a verse there. We need to read it in context. Who are they talking to? Why are they saying this? What's, who's the audience? What's the purpose of what they're saying? That's in context. And then as a whole, does that scripture, is it supported by other scriptures in the Bible? Because God's word never contradicts itself. Just as the Holy Spirit's never going to conduct, the, conduct the, or contradict the word of God, the word of God never contradicts itself either. And so it's important to, to know God's word that way. Do you know him? Is he your personal Savior? Are you a Christian in word only? Or is his spirit alive in you? Do you have a love for God's word and living God's word and obeying God's word? Let's pray.